Harper. Season two is over, but here on Post Show Recap, we are just getting started. My name is Grace, but of course, I'm not alone. I'm joined by the great Matt Scott. Matt, how are you doing? I'm just happy to be in your greatness, Grace. Oh. Like, uh, what is everything honor? perfect? Uh, you know what? No. Oh. Not everything's perfect, but you know what? Is life supposed to be Will we perfect? tell each other when things are not going perfectly well, Matt? I, I mean, I just want you to talk with me. Communication's <laughs> really important. I'm actually uh, a super bad communicator. I don't know if... Uh, oh, like every you? one of my friends who's listening would be like, yeah, Grace is really bad at texting and messaging back. Yeah. Grace, how could we work on that? What could we do? Uh, I think it's an off-pod <laughs> project, but, you know, let's talk about Heartstopper. <laughs> not 45 seconds in. <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm yeah. down for that like look we could yeah. t- just full-on therapy session i'm not a therapist well <laughs> we talked about how future pods of the show we're, we're gonna do the full recap here we did the premiere last week if you haven't checked it out go back check it yes. out it's very fun full mm-hmm. recap of scenes you were spoiling all of Heartstopper. we're gonna buffer a little bit for a few more minutes and all of that fun jazz and then i think uh every week uh every Monday, Tuesday, probably you'll get mm-hmm. a new Heartstopper um, podcast in your feed, which will focus in on a topic as a way to chat about all of season two and potentially season one as well with guests along the way. Do you want me to jot down fix Grace's communication problems as one of the um, topics that we focus in on? Grace, I think that y- you want to jot that down, uh, which I also do. If, I don't want down, to, but let's go for it. Okay, yeah. maybe we won't, but there will be other topics that yeah. we'll cover yeah. that I think people would be more interested in. That'll, that'll be a little less niche. No offense, Grace. I think so. I know we were talking about how broad or niche to go with our topics uh, as we were chatting before the podcast. I think this one, uh, particularly, that's about me and not about the show, I think probably too niche. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let, uh, folks, like if you have topics that we should have that are very niche in relation to my life, please uh, tweet me. D- uh-huh. Actually, no, please DM me because I might be really offended and, yeah. and uh, start crying. Please don't expose yeah. me like that. Speaking of uh, crying, Heartstopper oh. Season 2 came out and this oh got me gosh. so good. And I don't cry during, I don't cry watching TV. And here we are after I watched season two of Heartstopper. Make sure you subscribe yeah, to the feed, postrecaps.com slash Heartstopper. Um, all of our season one episodes should be in that feed, uh, as well as everything we're doing to cover season two. Um, but I found it very emotional and moving, and I loved it so much. But Matt, what did you make of Heartstopper season two? And we are in full spoiler territory now. So if you haven't watched, you should leave and go watch on Netflix. It should only take you like a day, as it did for me. So. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, you know, I was in my feels too. Like, it really, um, there were lots of moments where the tears were welling up in my eyes. I I would definitely say that I'd recommend, like, taking at the pace that works for you. Because this is a show that really should be digested. I, and there's a lot, there's a lot there. Like, a lot of emotion, a lot of darkness, and and realness of of things, um, and I'm sure we'll get into different examples. But I I love it, I love it still. Um, I love that it's also not the clean, perfect, happy ending, running in the sand, uh, jumping in the water, and getting your pants wet. But in, then the next shot, having a continuity error where like your pants aren't wet. Like it wasn't that. <laughs> it was a wow, shade to season one. Shade oh to Nick God. Nelson for fast drying pants, maybe. I don't know. Wow. Maybe it was the continuity error. Wow. But I, you know, I 
I appreciate this because I feel like it touched on so much that I hadn't even really thought about in relation to coming out, in relation to identity, in relation to like all these other things with mental health. And, you know, we see disordered eating comes up as a topic too. Like, yeah, I, I never thought of those things in relation, but it all does intersect, which is a good reminder because yeah, we don't I'll, think of those things yeah. together. Yeah, I do think this show, I, I say this all the time, a, a phrase I use quite a bit when I was watching Succession was the magic trick of that show was a phrase mm -hmm. I used in my podcasting last gone that I'm sure people are so sick of, of, of hearing from me. But I do think the magic trick of this show is that it is billed as a heartwarming, cute um, you know, LGBTQ coming of age uh, story that is almost entirely overwhelmingly positive, And yet it does manage to deal with some very emotional um, things. I'll give a little bit of a content warning here that uh, we are going to talk about, yeah, eating, uh, 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 disordered Oof. eating. Um, we're going to talk about self-harm. Uh, uh, self um, yeah, I, I mean, I think expected that uh, a show about LGBTQ people would, would in some way talk about homophobia, uh, transphobia, etc. We'll be talking yeah. about that too. I think those are the two big ones that for me... Um, that's you know the show the show went there up uh, parental um uh oh. i would say it's abuse as well uh it's abuse so yeah um but we're gonna get into all of it i i did love it i i have to be very honest with my feelings that you you said watch the show at your own pace and i i do think that's actually like quite helpful advice because i actually think there's one episode in particular that hit me extremely hard and i, yeah. I don't think actually put me in like honestly the best headspace because same what a character was saying was something that i i have believed and said about myself even if it's not necessarily true this is when um tau says to charlie i don't know why Elle would want to be with me she's perfect why would anybody want to be with me he says something essentially mm. in that lines and i have found that for me personally especially since transitioning like having romantic like love feels for me personally very challenging yeah. and difficult and sometimes feels like it will never ever happen in my, in my life and so i think what i found hard about the show and this is my own personal experience so everyone has their own personal experience but watching someone deliver that message and then leave and get to go live and this is what tv does it's escapism right so it wants to you know you see yourself in somebody but then they find you know and it's funny because the Tao L relationship is for me the one that I relate to the most in the show because I see bits of myself in both L and mm. Tao because Tao, Tao is saying exactly these thoughts I felt about how he kind of like sometimes he just can't see how he would ever be good enough for 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 someone. There's some of this stuff in Charlie's storyline sure. too about him being bullied and, and how much it made him hate himself. And but then he gets to go. He runs off and he goes, and they get to have a moment in the in the Louvre. And I'm like, but that's never gonna happen for me. Like I'm never gonna like have a magical moment in the which like is Not in the isn't Louvre. True. Like it is and it isn't true, right? Like right. you know who who knows who knows what the future. Is. But like I found that episode like watching it, it's like sobbing, crying. I was like, this is beautiful, and I'm so happy they're together. And I like love when I'll kiss Tao. But I was also like, yeah, boy, this like actually maybe didn't put me in the best headspace at the end of watching a cute little heartstopper episode because there is a way in which it's so optimistic about sure. love i think sometimes that um what can be like challenging if you're not in the like space where you are like getting to live that out in your 
personal life, Matt. I don't I don't know. I feel like I shared a no. lot within like the first seven minutes of this pod, but uh, well, you know what though? I think that it, it's there was a lot that kind of hit me in the gut in similar ways. And I I like what you're talking about, just in the sense that the pacing of things sometimes doesn't give us the space to sit with how we're feeling and sit with the uncomfortable thing. And actually the beauty of binging and being able to like hit that next button is that it's almost like this palate cleanser where you might end like, let's say like episode seven on a really dark, horrible note where you're just on the verge of tears, but knowing that you could just hit play on episode eight and it'll all be Maybe it won't all be better. I mean, I don't think things ended the season with everything being all better. De- definitely didn't. But like that, you know, it's easy to overlook a lot, you know, and I appreciate you sharing, you know, how that piece of what Tao shared really resonated or really like hit where it hit you. Because for me, there were a lot of different a lot of different bits that kind of hit me in different ways. Like um, even as someone who is bi, I feel the need to say I'm bi because Nick Nelson set a positive example for me of like constantly being very clear about that um, by necessity. Every time it's so good. It's so I mean, good. it's great. And I appreciate, yeah. I really do appreciate that um, because I do think like that there's sometimes it's like, okay, let me just say I'm queer and we can keep going uh, with this conversation. Cause um, you know, sometimes people are horrible um about that but you know one of the one of the characters that really um unexpectedly resonated with me was isaac as Mm. someone who's not you know aromantic or asexual ace you know with isaac i think the thing that jumped out in Again, you could probably go through all of the characters and point to something that really hits at the core but it's just like he's going through it so deeply for a few episodes we really see it as this character is mm-hmm. being more fully fleshed out and he even makes the comment like you just see me as this funny friend who you want to be in a relationship to be fulfilled and it, it's almost like the that it felt like and in some ways you know maybe this was him in season one definitely him in a lot of season two like this one-dimensional character to other people i've definitely felt like that as like a black person as a bi person Mm. or queer person um and i just feel like that being viewed and treated like this one-dimensional person as opposed to someone who has like all these different emotions and feelings and like Mm -hmm. you know you could be like the fun happy-go-lucky friend but also to be like someone who's like going through it and struggling with things like I I feel like I relate to that so much in my high school days but like really in like college in my early 20s where it's like holding that balance of um just being like a fully formed human that other people don't always fully see. And also who's trying to get to know yourself. Like it's very difficult. Um, and so he's one character I, uh, I related to, but damn grace, they really, they really got in a lot of detail and nuance with these characters this season. Like, I, I mean, yeah. it was, it felt, I feel like it was, I just don't feel like it was at the level that it was in season one. And I guess that's what character development is all about. We just spend a lot deeper and a lot more complicated shit happening uh, in in this uh, season. 
I think what I liked about this season and potentially like it more than season one is really how fleshed out the rest of the crew gets to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that sort of this, you have this, you end up having this friend group that gets, you know, they hang out at the, at the end of prom at Nick's house. You have Nick and Charlie, Ellen Tao, uh, Taryn Darcy, uh, Isaac. And then, you know, then also we have fleshed out uh, Imogen a fair bit. Uh, We'll get to, um, Ben Sahar. of it all. Uh, oh, actually, Ben. Sebastian. Um, uh, what is Cro- his name? Croft? Sebastian Croft. Croft is actually not yes. returning for season three. Um, his line Get out, is, leave. You know what? To another school uh, is officially the end of uh, Sebastian Croft, aka Ben, on the show. Uh, we'll talk um, about him, though. Mr. Farouk and Mr. Ajayi. Uh, even Mrs. Singh gets a little bit of uh, content. The, oh there's God. lots of stuff with uh, Tori and the rest of the family. So I, I actually think the reason I think I like this more, I do think Nick and Charlie's storyline is probably like, I really, really love their story arc from season one. Um, The like, will they, won't they, whatever it ended up being. I think that I did. I honestly, the Charlie stuff for me doesn't, I, I never felt like it quite got deep enough for how serious of an issue they're, they're sort of, um, talking up about i didn't feel like the writing was as strong here i did really enjoy nick's storyline but i just feel like this felt so much more fleshed out and obviously ellen tau kiss multiple times in the loop so it's obviously my favorite season well <laughs> i think that that's the cherry on the cake i think sure. something whatever you want to put it on like you put the cherry yeah. on anything you want maybe some sprinkles too but anyway, I you know uh, I just think that the, the the one thing that that really pops out for me with everything that you kind of laid out is again like I, I really feel like our role as the viewer is a fascinating one, especially in relation to Charlie, because Charlie we see you know of course um, just some of him him navigating his issues with food and um an eating disorder and but we really don't go into his head with that and it's it's a, an uncomfortable place to be as a viewer to not know fully how your protagonist is feeling about their issues with food or you know self harm we don't get like we don't get the internal um, experience of Charlie. We get Nick's view from the outside looking in on that. And I I think that's the part that's tricky for me where, yes, the writing maybe wasn't super strong with the, you know, his eating disorder with self-harm. He mentions cutting. Um, and, but I, I think that's kind of the discomfort of life where like, yes, yeah, someone could like mention this thing. Like I, I, you know, had a friend um, not too long ago who, like, in a conversation we were having mentioned, like, how they used to um, cut themselves and self-harm, which also reminded me of, like, another friend that I grew up with who went through that. And, you know, that was only one point in the conversation. It's not like I had the fully fleshed out view of what that looked like and all the circumstances around why, but maybe that's just the realism about it rather than really diving into like charlie's thoughts in it also charlie is a very avoidant um character 
in many ways in personality. So it would be almost strange if we had a fully developed, like, this is why Charlie is the way he is just because I, I don't think he's gone there, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do like where they end up. I think overall, when I look back at the season, this, you know, the end of episode one, we talked about this doesn't feel good that Charlie's like, I'm going to make sure that Nick never has to face anything bad ever. And our life will be perfect. And yeah. so while Nick is dealing with all of this stuff, um, his, his brother being, uh, we'll, we'll go through, I think Nick? we'll go through oh, sort of care. What? Oh, so I don't know if I'm supposed to repeat. I just, I just said his brother was a, a dick. Oh, sure. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think we'll, okay, we can say that. Um, we'll we'll kind of go through, I think, like we'll get we'll we'll go through sort of the storylines here. We'll start with sort of like Nick and Charlie, but I'm starting more more with Nick. So his brother, yeah, his brother's a dick. And mm-hmm. um and and then he has this thing with his dad, um, where his dad is a little bit um, you know, inattentive, doesn't not around much. He's in Paris, and even when uh they go for the cafe, he he leaves uh, you know. Uh, breakfast early or whatever uh nick is also just really struggling with the idea of like coming out he obviously does come out to imogen in episode one but sort of like you know that those next steps uh are 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 really hard for nick to be able to take ultimately he does he does come out on um uh at a party and then he comes out on social media and charlie is delighted but sort of just as nick is sort of like figured out a bunch of his stuff he realizes that charlie has really been struggling it's not that he doesn't know it obviously charlie fainted at the um at, at the museum and explains that it's like the one thing he, he feels like he has control over to not eat is a thing he can control versus mm-hmm. when he was bullied uh, at school the previous year. That was, those were things obviously he could not control. Um, you're right to point out that like he is not expressive. He does not talk about this thing. Even Tao uh, admits uh, Tao admits it was his fault that uh, I, I don't think it's his fault, but Tao believes it's his fault that Charlie got outed. And later when Tao and Nick are talking, Tao says yeah he never talked to me about what really happened like the extent that which to which he was bullied yeah so i i do like this like moment at the end right where they say like they had promised each other that they would tell each other everything when nick talks about his dad um and uh charlie charlie had has fainted earlier in the day um and so they admit to telling each other but even by the end of the season they haven't really and nick Charlie says this thing of like, I, I never want to burden you. I want to make this easier for you. But Nick says, yeah, but the only reason I was able to do all of this stuff was like, because you were there with me. And so I need, I I, I want to be that for you too. I really yeah. do love that, that sentiment um, uh, uh, of it all. Um, even if I thought that like kind of getting there was a little messy. You know, this actually reminds me of a comment that I wrote down from episode eight, Perfect, where Tara, you know, this is this is while Tara's at the dance and Darcy is still missing and just not, you know, not responding. This is right before she shows up. And Tara says to Nick, like, I know something's wrong, but she never wants to talk about it. And this is something that I don't think shows do a phenomenal job of capturing in a realistic way. And it's very uncomfortable, like to watch Nick and Charlie, who are in love and who. No, yeah, they haven't are, said it to each other yet. Well, no, not that by that point, but there, there's definitely that love, that deep intimacy between them. And yet there's this discomfort of knowing for, you know, a handful of episodes in this season that there's stuff that Nick sees in Charlie that is just going unsaid it's the elephant in the room and 
that's life. Like we can be in intimate relationships with people, whether it's close friends, close family, partners. And I mean, so many of us have that thing that we, you know, that we don't want to talk about where there's shame or pain or trauma. And so like that to me captures so much. And I think the show did a beautiful job of like transferring that discomfort to us, at least speaking for me, very, very uncomfortable. Um, And I'm glad they actually got to the point the slightly satisfying point at the end of like Nick actively being bold enough to address it and create that comfortable space for Charlie to say something rather than nothing. That that's that was huge. And it's it's all about this like internal conflict, which I think is very fascinating to to try to um display for teenagers on a show. But they did a great job in my mind. Um I was saw TikTok about from someone who has read all the graphic novels and i think apparently there is a novel coming that is about um nick and charlie and the hot take from this tiktoker is that he's not so sure that nick and charlie are potentially like they're going to be together forever uh and i don't know what is your read on, on this specifically the like the cliffhanger of the season uh the whole season the last moment of the of the season is charlie actually not sending i love you in a message which i do think is in there to be like uh oh like he's nervous about saying it and we kind of got this whole thing with taron darcy in the season as well about the i love you and how big of a deal i i do read that as like okay, something is going to happen that like, are they whatever? Like, are they sure? But they're both pretty happy in this moment, but also like there is hesitation. But I also think don't, maybe the first time you say, I love you, don't do it over uh, an Instagram DM, but I don't know. That's just me, Matt. I mean, I, you know, just to comment on what you're saying about the... Also, everyone has communication styles and whatever your communication style is, if you have to say I love you in an Instagram DM, it's actually fine. But Well, if that's like the show. first time you do it, if you if you like really feel the art, you know, whatever, you know, everyone's sure. different to that sure. point. But I, I'm with you that uh, that's not the, that's not what love stories have told us you do, right? So I think there's that. But, you know, also, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like there's a... There's a lot with their dynamic between like Nick and Charlie that I just think if we're being realistic, like, no, I don't, they're, they're in high school. They're, they're in high school or whatever they, they call it. Do they call it, they call it something different in, in the UK. Um, uh, but you're, I think they're both your, your 10 and your 11 is like the are. more specific. Uh, yes. But yeah, I, I guess to me, looking at the show and how it's portrayed these issues, like, we'll get to a point where they're not together. It's just a question of when. I don't think that it's necessarily going to happen while they're in high school together. Um, but they're so young. And, you know, all the, a, lot, a lot of us have been in the situation of having, like, these deep crushes or this deep love when we're that at that age. And we all grow and change and evolve. And it's hard to maintain a relationship. Not impossible, but hard to maintain a relationship when you are that young and you you have to continue to grow and maybe grow in different directions, but Mm -hmm. I think that's okay. Like just because love doesn't last forever doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. And I, I think that that's the beauty of this. I think that's something that Nick would say. Nick would really very much appreciate Mm -hmm. uh, the love that he had with Charlie, even if like 10 years later, he's like, I have to go Charlie and live my life. Yeah. Um, I did really find, I did find Nick's storyline very compelling. And I know this is this, 
there's the potential that this could feel extremely tropey. This idea, even in a modern um, sort of show, that Nick's essentially his entire storyline, the entire season is is essentially about coming out. He comes out to Imogen. Um, he's out to this like friend group, but there's the, the sort of step past that. Um, he's not his, uh, some of his family knows, obviously he told his mom at the end of season one, mm -hmm. uh, the great Olivia Coleman, who once again, it's just a delight as a supporting cast member here. Um, yeah. He, his brother finds out, um, which uh, does suck that something has happened uh, to me is uh, somebody finding out, which uh, yeah. is just the worst uh, way to, uh, to, to come out. Um his his dad, um, I would say that his brother is is possibly the the worst reaction we've had in the show over the course of a few seasons, other than like the bullying we get. But even that, it's like it's not a family member, so it's like there's a little bit whatever. But this uh his brother yeah. just being the absolute worst uh really does suck. But his dad has like eventually like is not like the best, but he's like, Thanks for introducing me to your boyfriend in the kind of I, I have to moment. <laughs> I have to say his dad, like on a funny, his dad is so bro-y. Like, you know, <laughs> Nick and Charlie walk in and I don't even mean at the cafe. I mean, at, when they're all over for dinner, yeah. um, Nick walks in, his dad gives his son the most, the, like the most bro handshake. He's yeah. like watching sports, shouting it. Like it's very hyper-masculine in yeah. or, like stereotypically hyper-masculine in so many ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and you know, then there's also Darcy's mom who, whoo, that, you know, yeah. I, that hit me so hard from the moment that we see Darcy, um, maybe in episode seven, walking home. She's about to go to presumably what's her home. And you just see this new effect that we hadn't seen, this purple ominous cloud right in front of mm -hmm. the door. And I think between that and the music or whatever it was, you know, I knew like, Oh no, this doesn't feel like it's a good situation. And we saw that it was really brutal um, between her and her mom. Um, it, you know, I'm sure if we had more of the background with Darcy and her family relationships, like we would have probably seen uh, a lot worse, a lot darker things on top of that. But um, that's, you know, that was also rough. It, it, they, uh, it's interesting that they, they, they didn't shy away from going to those really negative, horrible, traumatic family relationships. And also they didn't shy away on the other side of things from like, at least vaguely talking about sex and referring to sex or insinuating. Uh, they refer to, insinuating. Uh, to, to, to doing it. Yeah. No, they did not. Um, I, well, I mean, I don't yeah, know. They about, did. I don't know yeah. about Mr. Ajay and, uh, and Mr. Farouk. Nick's 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 does use the phrase. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I no. I'm. I'm not talking about doing it. Is what he says. Yes. Do it. Well. Yeah. Okay. Sure. If that counts as conversation about sex, I'll go. That is when they're talking about sex. I did, or, look. Yeah, that is. Yeah. It was. It was. But I just like they didn't get into it more. Uh, frankly, it wasn't frank discussion of sex. I just want to stay on Nick for a second because yeah. I, I just want to I, I don't think I got through like so yeah. his with his story um, and we'll get to we'll get to uh, Tara and Darcy. But I, I do think the thing about Nick is and I said this a lot on the Pride of Spoken again, another thing that like if you've listened to me on basically a bunch of these like LGBTQ podcasts, you're sick of me hearing uh, saying this. But the idea that as queer people, we don't we don't just come out once we come out all the time. And I thought that Nick's the progression of this is actually very similar to 
um, sort of the two times I've gone through like a process of like being out. Um, uh, and, and that doesn't mean there aren't other times where I have to come out, but there was kind of like, you know, in terms of like mapping my, my journeys onto Nick's journey, which is one when I thought I was just like, gonna, I thought I was coming out as gay. Um, and you tell a friend and then you tell like some other friends, like your, your friend group kind of knows Then I told my, you know, people I was the closest to in my family, then sort of, you know, people I, you know, in my family, but I was more worried about their reaction. Then they find out then kind of like, you're a little bit out and then I posted on social media. I don't think I would have posted on social media about coming out as gay, but for being trans, I did. I like made a post being like, this is mm -hmm. me. This is my name, whatever. You know, it's been a long time. I thought about this, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I do really think like for me um, that I do like Nick's journey of that process of coming out. And that doesn't mean that like there aren't times like there's a moment I love when they're in Paris and they go to sort of the queer district of, of Paris and they see these two men like holding hands or maybe an arm or like arms around each other. And Nick and Charlie just look at each other. And like, that's not always like safe to do. So then there's like these moments where like, if you go to a restaurant and you're not sure if like, you will it be acceptable for us to like be on a date you know like uh like to you know uh, whatever there's all these other small micro moments you have where you continually mm -hmm. have to come out but in terms of, like for me what i think of like the big coming out moments i thought like nick's storyline was really well executed in in just like the way that the, the steps he sort of takes to eventually um uh, get there i also love that it was not like Charlie was not pushing him to do it. And also there were moments where he was ready to do it and he couldn't do it. You know, I also, mm -hmm. I think that's like really important to showcase that like, it's actually, it is okay to like, you have to know when it's like safe and you're ready to come out. And it's, you literally don't have to come out until you're ready for that moment. And sometimes it feels like it's not the right moment. Like this party that he's at, as they're talking about Charlie's hickey, like, yeah, it doesn't feel like the, the perfect moment, but it'll never feel like the perfect moment because like it is this awkward thing queer people have to do. Yeah, it is really interesting because in a weird way, it does Nick's coming out does feel like kind of perf like perfect compared with like a lot of I mean, like a lot of real world experiences of coming out like conversations I've had with friends like, you know, not I, I wouldn't say it was actually I, I think I could relate similar to you actually to Nick's coming out experience of like the almost like the un the opposite Nick's onion. Yeah, the onion or, or I remember um talking about um having bubbles uh with my mm. therapist when I came out, especially yeah. being trans, but I, I think it applies yeah. to being queer as well. Of there are places you you create your own bubbles. So mm -hmm. for me, the first time I really came I out like was that. at university. And so in my dorm, uh Atori, I I told every I just came out. So um yeah. uh that was for me a bubble where I was out. But then if I went to like the library. Uh, that was not a bubble for me. That was not a safe bubble for me. And that sucked because like it, that's part that also is excruciating is knowing you have places where it can be safe for you to be out. And then knowing there are also places where it's not safe for you to come out. And that mm -hmm. really sucks because you feel like you're like switching back and forth into these like safe environment, unsafe or like an environment where I'm not being truly authentically myself. Yeah. And I, I think that that like the, I mean, it like it, there's so much that kind of um, is challenging even about that bubble experience, which I think is such a great way of describing it. But then also like coming out could be so unpredictable and messy and mm -hmm. like all over the place. And in that sense, Nick's coming out feels like 
a, a little bit clean where I mean maybe I'm being results oriented in it but it's like I think of like all of these different moments where he's like put in a position where he doesn't want to come out and like so like there's so many times we've talked about this before like you said like the constant coming out and coming out and coming out and I do feel like there's a positive progression for him in terms of his coming out where it almost expands outward like the bubbles form with one another to continue with that metaphor and it just grows and grows and grows where there are also these experiences where it's like if you're in the in a certain environment it kind of clusters back down in and it i'm like i'm so fascinated because i want to see heartstopper like really continue to dive into the side character stories of like what that coming out has looked like for them nick is just a little bit too perfect sometimes for me but also relatable but i just think that's because i've been i feel like relatively lucky in my coming out process yeah i mean i think i have a very privileged coming out experience i've never had right. anybody say something to my face uh publicly that was homophobic or transphobic yeah. unless i had my headphones on i didn't hear it um but i uh -huh. do think so i think it's really interesting because i think on one hand i think that i do so uh, the idea of what this show is supposed to be and what it means, if this is a show that young people should watch and can learn from and, mm -hmm. and be, and their, and their worldview can be broadened a little bit. If you, if you are an LGBT person and you, you never, you don't know anybody uh, and you think you might be queer and you watch the show and it opens something up, that's amazing. Or if you're not, but you're like, you're straight, but like you see that like, wow, it's really hard to come out. There is a part of me that does really like that in the Heartstopper world, for the most part, coming out is a really positive e experience. I, there's mm -hmm. part of me that really likes that there are very few moments in the show where actually coming out is and I think that's where I struggled with the thing about Charlie because it's all from stuff we never saw before. Yeah. I also don't. I mean, I I feel bad. I think saying this, but I also feel like that there wasn't maybe uh -oh. enough to be to be done about him doing self harm. That I yeah. thought um, that it really I think came out of nowhere for for me in a way that I I don't mm -hmm. I don't like i think there would have been a way to show that he's not talking and i don't mean to i don't we don't not to see himself harming that is not what no. i'm referring to but um any allusion to that to it being having been that bad the headspace that he was in um while also it being being able to say that like yeah he's hiding it or not showing this stuff from anybody so the, definitely the show does like you know and and the way that like they're both treated even there's like jokes are being made right when they're like at prom they're like setting up for prom and you can hear people whispering like there is a yeah. way but but the thing i think is so interesting is that for and again this is i'm coming from my i can only speak to my own worldview and people that i know and and, and friends or whatever i think that um when you come out to people the the it's the people who are closest to you that their reaction to you coming out hurts the, the if it's negative hurts right. the most and so yeah. heartstopper has built a world with predominantly characters that we really 
love. There's very few. Harry is a villain. He's even getting, he gets a bit of a redemption. I do love Charlie slamming the door in his face. Ben obviously sucks a little bit. Uh, Nick's brother um, uh, sucks. There are these people who like yeah. are reacting badly, but the biggest fear about coming out is the people you love not accepting you. And the closest mm -hmm. we get to that is, is Darcy and her relationship yeah. with her mom, but she's not out to her mom in the show. I presume that that will be a thing that happens in season so. three, but I just think like this show is built in a way to build this little queer world. Like every teacher we've met at Trumorigs is yeah. What is the gay. hell? I love is it. Doesn't matter. Wild? Don't care. Love it. I want to comment on that in a second, though. <laughs> but I, it's uh, for me, and I know, I know, I've ranted a bit. I uh, no, want to let you speak, but I, but I, I think that the challenge that they've like, because I don't think it's a challenge. I think that like. This is this is also part of why I love the show. It's just that queerness is so complex, so freaking complicated, Matt. Because yeah. the experiences of coming out and then who, except even in the show, like Nick's rugby boys are like, bro, I wish you told me. Like uh, now you're how cool that you're the first one to be in a relationship. Like, but I could be have a group. Like they're they're awesome, and I I do think we are every day. I think that we do. Uh, maybe this isn't true, but I do feel like progress like just is in with the march of time or whatever the phrase is that mm -hmm, like sure. you know when when my cousin told her kids that i was trans they were like oh yeah cool like i know a trans person at school so like is it like this and she was like oh no like it's like this and they were like okay great and that's it like i do think there is a way in which like and that's not like you know some some of my cousins don't want to didn't want to tell their kid right so it's like all different but i think they built this world where like anybody they're going to come out to on the show is inherently going to be pretty positive for the most part about it and i like i love that i do love that to, for kids to know when you find somebody who is like somebody on Supper, you can tell them because you know that they will accept you and hopefully they'll love you um yeah. because i also don't want to live in the world where like nick tells his mom and olivia coleman's like get out of my house. You know, I don't want, I don't really want to spend time right. in that either. So it's just very complicated, I think, but, um, I don't yeah. Know and I think my thing was, no, but, no, yeah. I no, I think that, I think that sits alongside like the other thing that I want though, too, which is that I want that, like we need that positive representation, like and yes. to see queer, like queer people in ways that, are positive and i think that's the beauty of heartstopper but then you know i think one of the gaps for me you know because i think that it's also important for people to really be able to see themselves in terms of um just like identity whether that's race and religion and some of these areas where like the homophobia the transphobia biphobia all of the phobias are deeply embedded and it would be really, I don't think we've seen a character yet that is navigating that, just that deep, um, that type of, that type of obstacle from the perspective of race or from the perspective of religion, at least explicitly. And, you know, for me, it's like always, it's always fascinating because like to see the intersection, like something I feel like I experience all the time is the intersection of like blackness and queerness where there's also there's definitely a beautiful intersection of that but then there are also you know if you know in blacks if you're black and i probably have, i'm sure i've talked about this other times on these podcasts but it's like you know not fitting into a 
like queer community or, or that might be like more white and gay and a certain type of look and a thing and a background and you know how you are and who you are and then on the flip side you know like I've even been in relationships walking down the street with holding hands with a guy walking past like other black people who are like what the hell like what are you like what are you yeah. or making comments and jokes and things like that and so like that's the I it's funny because I think back Grace actually to like the last episode we recorded for season one and we were talking a lot about trans representation which mm-hmm. has a very has a fascinating place in this season that we may yeah let's dive into ellen tau because i feel like we've talked a lot through but yeah yeah i think like that's that's the thing where it's like you know as much as they give us there's always more that we want but then you know it leaves me wondering like huh are we going to get more in the next season i like to be an optimist about what we're going to get but also i like to you know it's good to it's good to want more i guess maybe that's the silver lining so the Alan Tao relationship is a perfect example of what I'm trying to think talk about in terms of like Nick's little world where it's mostly really positive, but it's, and again, I do think it's like fine for that to be the way that the show lives in, in that like the tension comes from the thing that we've all had about the nervousness of like coming out. I have come out to my brother like uh, two times and both times he, I mean, I love my brother. He's my favorite person in the world. So like, I love him. I, I, I like knew Deep, deep down, he would never do anything. He would never say anything negative. But you still sit there and you're like, yeah, what if I what if I tell you this thing? What if I come out to you and you disown me? Like, you never want to talk to me again. Like, that is that is the the level of thinking that goes into, like, telling mm-hmm. someone you're going to come out to them on, on the on the on the like safest level of like negative reactions on the worst level of negative reactions is like physical violence, like, you know, yeah. abuse, all of this stuff. Right. So. The Ellen Tao stuff I find really interesting. And I actually want to reference the conversation we had with Todd Herzog on The Pride of Spoken, the last episode of The Pride of Spoken we did. And Todd said, oh, I I love how there's these movies nowadays where they'll have a trans actress and it never comes up that they're trans. And I pushed back on that a little bit. And that's mostly because I think that that, for me, feels incredibly inauthentic that you, Uh as a trans person, you might exist in the world and it never ever comes up in any way that you're trans. And so I think that in this, in the show, I love that there is a line of um, when Elle is applying to the art school and Naomi, who is another trans woman, is talking about applying for the school and she just wants to go to a school where she's not known as the trans person. I was like, awesome. We are like, that is great content. Elle and Tao's relationship. I love everything about their relationship this season. I love it. I love the like, Tao thinks he has to change. He like, they're even doing his favorite activity and he's like, hating it and she's like Mm -hmm. don't change like i just want you to be the same they have this lovely like kiss in the louvre it's it's amazing they're they're my favorite couple in the show by far i love them as i was saying before i relate incredibly to like the stuff that tao was talking about then i relate with l as being like a trans woman the thing for me that i would love to see them eventually get into is like even the most accepting person the most accepting person who's like going to date like a cis man who's going to date a trans person it is it has to come up that you are trans and i know that like tau knows this and he still loves l but there's just like it's it just would come up in conversation and so i play with this idea of like what do i want heart supper to be do i want it to be like a utopia where like 
in a perfect world, yes, this is exact. If I was L, this is exactly what I would want my relation to be relationship with Tao to be like. He was my friend. I transitioned. Now he's like, oh, we actually like we were friends because we have you know we love each other and okay, let's go be in a relationship and we never have to talk about any of that stuff. But like, there are just things that will like that that will come up that you'll just talk about it. You know, it's like little like you know. It's, and I know like this isn't what the show is trying to be, so I I get that. Um, and in I, a way, I do love it, but I well, also think it's like really complicated. I I think I think I I disagree actually about what the show's trying to be because I I hear what you what you're saying. I think back though about like the first episode and our recap of that, and one thing we talked about is like, is this a show where? Like they would like where we're where characters are like gonna have sex and like that's gonna be a part of what's what's going on. And I I think that this show aims to be a resource in a way, like to be something that people need in, in one sense. I mean, there's the entertainment and everything else about it, but it wants to be something that people need. And I just think it's slowly getting to this getting to these points where we're diving more into, you know, like season three, maybe we'll, maybe we'll encounter the conversations about sex when it comes to church. I was going to, I was going to say chick, uh, Nick and Charlie uh, combining that, which no, would be a great good, couple's yeah, name, by the way. Chick. Um, chick well, yeah, we'll work on that. Oh, I like that. Nice. Um, but you know, like maybe we'll, we'll, Better than I think gnarly. we'll see them. <laughs> I did I I couldn't get rid of like the H in my head, so I was like, the, the, and it just didn't work as well. But chick gnarly, one way or the chick other, gnarly. let us know which you prefer. Uh, but you know, like I I think we're going there little by little, just because that's where the characters are going. Now, how do they get there? I don't know. Um, but it is really fascinating with Tao and L, and maybe with you know with the show overall, like. In a weird way, I feel like we don't know everything, but I'm pretty sure that they haven't had the conversation about like sex and like and their relationship. But it's not and even their sex, you know. There's like, more. What that looks like there's more about being trans that like is, well, yeah. You know, so it's like uh, totally. being on hormones, you know. Oh, one hundred percent. So there's all this like stuff that I think that it, you know, obviously, yeah. No show shows everything, but also at the same. So I go back and forth on like loving this little utopian sort like as it's not full utopia because there's like no. charlie is being bullied at school uh nick's dad isn't great like his brother sucks um you know even charlie's mom is like when they're like oh no more sleepovers or whatever you know like it's not yeah. it's not perfect I, I don't want to like imply that it's mm -hmm. that it's perfect but there is also a way in which like i mean and to be fair this is i think it is like fairly representative of like it, of like a storybook version of being queer. I do I do think it's yeah. like that's what it is because there's moments mm -hmm. where like yeah, it sucks and then there's also like the best moments of like when you know when they come out to each other and or like they announce that they're in a relationship and all their friends are just like the best and they have like this queer prom uh, after party, you know, at Nick's where like they can all just be who they are. You know, it's like it's like, supremely lovely and like uh, a little bit like I think aspirational in some degrees and like the future that I want for like what it, what it's like for queer people in but, like, you know, the future. So, but, but I think the other piece of it that's like super realistic is that as a teenager, you're already, I mean, for most of us, so insecure about your body and 
everything that it does and is it normal is it not normal like what is happening and it, it, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how they explore that because there is so much awkwardness and discomfort and you know i would like if they get there um just because i think that a lot of people need that type of story that's like that's navigating that discomfort of like this is my body this is my, you know, this is something that's a, a part of me. But like, how do I talk about that with other people? Do I talk about it with other people or do we just ignore it until like we can't ignore the yeah. like specific details? I mean, actually, I think, you know, with Charlie and the conversation about his eating disorder, that's like a good example of, you know, Charlie wasn't going to bring that up or go there, which I think is super realistic. Um, and, you know, eventually we got there. We got there, but because Nick saw something and said something. Um, but how how much more often are we going to go to like, okay, let's just talk about our bodies, which we already feel really insecure about at this weird phase of life, mid mid puberty, all the things. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. but yeah, I'm, I agree with you on the like the utopia aspect of uh, the show. This is definitely more perfect than than it's not, um, and more ideal than it, that it's not. I would say, yeah, and I, I do feel like characters. The tension of the episodes are often like something that feels like a big deal, which I feel like is also very high schoolish. Of like exactly, and and it, it like it's interesting because it's like it is bigger than. A typical high school thing in terms of like if you're going to come out to your entire high school because you don't know that that's entirely like safe to do and and what comes from that but also like yeah it's pretty like in, in the grand scheme of things it's like in this world it's safe it's safe to do it so there's a way in which like i think it does work um we're talking about taran yeah sorry go ahead oh no i was just gonna i was gonna say throw in something like just on that note responding to what you said about like it's safer than it it might seem that even then it might have been at certain points like one of the things that really jumps out to me um before we even get into like tara and darcy more specifically is you know you referenced the many gay teachers of of uh truam who just mm -hmm. materialize out of nowhere and i was way wrong about in. mr Farouk. turns out he's but i mean yeah. i look i look i'm just saying i'm saying like I'm not surprised, but I am surprised. It, right. it, it didn't feel like it was going that direction. But, you know, it, it is interesting because I had a realization in seeing um, Coach Shang and seeing Mr. J and seeing Mr. Farouk that, like, the world is, I wrote this down, that the world's always going to be more gay than it actually looks just because like the hard stuff world or the real world the real world the real right. world's going to be more gay than it actually looks because we don't know you know what everyone's sexuality is i don't know the sexual orientations of like all of my teachers growing up or of everyone mm -hmm. I, every adult i've ever interacted with or you know every coworker, every colleague like every single person i've met that's just because it's not out there as much and we're often discouraged from bringing our sexual orientation or sexuality in the broader sense into spaces and so there was this, this comfort that that idea gave me of like oh like i might think that i'm going to this school where you know i'm the only one and look 
around me, like all these teachers could relate to my experience in some type of way. And that felt comforting, at least. Like, even when we look around and don't see ourselves, to know that, like, we might still freaking be there uh, mm-hmm. is pretty nice. Like, that was that was a nice one. I is everywhere. Gays everywhere. I the wish that I could. T- we could have like a, a a high school reunion that's like just for people who weren't out in. I mean, also the people oh, who were out can also come. But like, yeah, it's just the people who like. Yeah, if you fit within the LGBT umbrella, you should come to the reunion. Grace, and like just no see offense, you, see but I, yeah. Grace, no offense, but I think that's like your best idea ever. Oh, there you um, go. and yeah. you should trademark that, and we should actually make that happen. Because, yeah. oh God, like yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, we're both at the I think roughly the same point. Ten plus year. Oh my gosh, it's oh my god, it's almost fifteen years. I'm thirty one, turning thirty two. Yeah, thirty one. Yeah, so it's yeah. like the same, and it's very interesting because like that brings in a different dynamic and a lot of conversations about what the culture of a school or a place was. Um, so let's, let's do it. Do you let's know do a gay reunion. This idea could be good, but also what if like, what if like a guy walks in and was like, damn it, we could have been hooking up since high school. Like, damn but that's it. great. Come I on. mean, like, come on. I, don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I would rather know and then just cry yeah. myself to sleep that night, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, do I talk a bit about Taryn Darcy? Their relationship is actually there. It's actually quite similar, although I feel like with like way darker undertones for Darcy with actually what uh-huh. she's dealing with. We get these hints that she's dealing with stuff. She's uh, struggling to say uh, she she I love you back uh, when Tara says it. It turns out this is um, she's not out at home and her mom is uh, not. Uh, supportive uh, of of some of her gender expression. Um, yeah, so... her, I mean, her mom is like, and I mean, beyond that, to or just to take that a step further, her mom is very homophobic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. it, it, and it's fat, but which is always fascinating to me because I'm like, where did that that energy come from? Like, where did that hate come from? Like, what what are you? What's happening here? Yeah, see, I wasn't sure. I mean, um, we talked about this a little bit before we started that, like, this is a show that really the only families we really get to meet are Nick and Charlie's families. It's not that we don't meet, like, we do meet Tao's mom, we do meet Elle's parents. Um, Very briefly. But there, yeah, it's all so brief, and we get to know nothing about them in a way that, like, we get to know um, our two main characters a little bit more, which I think, which is a shame because, like, yeah, it's our two white characters, or two white leads that like we're getting the most time on their like family mm-hmm. dynamics. Um, but I was I was thinking like, yeah, we really haven't had this of like the parent who is not accepting and and like more than not accepting of like Darcy goes and sleeps in the park and her mom literally doesn't care. Um, yeah. uh, type uh, of parenting, which is awful. And um, yeah, eventually they sort out. I I do again. I love where we get. I love that uh, she's like, yeah, I. I I was afraid to say I love you back because you, I felt like you were saying I love you to someone who you only knew half of. And Tara says, oh, but I'm seeing the other half of you now and I still love you. I thought that was really mm. great. That was really cute. That was good. She should write that on a card or something. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's very, no, t- I, it's very, it's very, it's very um, situational to only, to like, <laughs> I only know half of you and now it's in the other half. I yeah. still love you. <laughs> Yeah. I know. I I love, but I I thought that that was I like their relationship is a beautiful thing. But yeah, it's cute. You know, it's uh, like I mean, maybe the one place where I wish there was a little bit more of a comeuppance or a resolution. And maybe I feel like that for a few of the different characters. I think of um, Nick's brother as an example of this too. Who Tori I mean, does. 
Tori tells uh, Nick as they're leaving the dinner party. So um, I think it's his mom, Nick's Charlie's mom, who says like, okay, he does seem nice when he's not distracting from schoolwork. Maybe we can have yeah. them over in a month. And in the background uh-huh. in the dialogue, it said Tori's saying your brother's, your brother's an idiot or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nick. Yeah. And no, it, it's and she, by the way, Tori, uh, also real, a real MVP for kicking yeah. the brother whose name I, I, I don't remember, but I also, yeah, I also will say, I, I don't want to utter that, uh, that guy's name, but like she kicked his phone down the, down, down the stairs, which I think is a pretty, pretty big deal in 2023. His name is David, yeah. but that's fine. Oh, um, what a name. But no, it's just like yeah. between him and the mom, like, I mean, that's child abuse. <laughs> so I mean, uh-huh. we, I, could we go there on the show? Could someone call child protective services or is she like too Oh, like not young enough for that to be an issue. Who are we talking know. about? The, the Darcy's mom. Oh yeah, Darcy's mom. Yeah. No, I think she is old, probably old. No, definitely is old. Like, um, like whatever the fra- this still could call child services. So yeah, uh, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I imagine that's we're leading to that being a thing in season uh, three. Um, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready for that. Yeah, let's talk briefly about Isaac. We also get to we get introduced to James this season, uh, who is the other out boy at school. Um, I do like yeah. James being like, "Gosh, they think just because like we're both gay that I fancy you." And it's like, no, offense. so uncomfortable <laughs> every single time someone's like, "Oh yeah, we're gay, right?" And I'm like, "No, no." Like, if there's one yeah. lesson that yeah. everybody should learn from Imogen, it's just to like not assume at all um but you know by the way interesting we'll get to her but she's an interesting one but this was so fascinating grace i have to ask you yes so when we did episode one yes you mentioned i think that they're heading the way of a of an ace storyline for isaac what was it i don't know if you went into it what was it that you picked up on so he is looking around at all these relationships and he is he he's constantly reading uh his book and i thought when the james character gets introduced and they're kind of having a like fling they hang out at the uh the rugby party i was like oh i was wrong like isaac the story is more about this like maybe this guy who doesn't really know how to express himself and he's a bit awkward uh but ultimately he's gonna meet james and, and they'll be together and james kisses him one night and isaac leaves and and then i was mm-hmm. like oh i am right because he goes to the Please. library he goes yes. to an art show uh meets a guy who was inspired um to do his art uh at the uh queer uh art show about being uh asexual he finds mm-hmm. the book um i don't know it's just giving up vibes and i just thought it was like where the show would would go i think mm-hmm. one of the best things uh for me in the uh, in the aftermath the aftermath that sounds terrible uh post doing the pride of spoken series uh <laughs> is so it's not the aftermath was all no. these people who would message and be like wow this podcast was so helpful in validating my identity mm-hmm. um the people who were maybe bisexual but in a straight seeming relationship or yeah. something like that and people being like just hearing you say like you know you're valid you belong was something that's really helpful and i just felt like that's the type of place that this show to take one more some one more step into being you know a little bit 
broader in terms of its representation is to potentially have a character who is is asexual um and if you're asexual and you're listening you're valid you belong in the lgbtqia plus community mm -hmm. um your sexuality um is valid um i have seen so spoiled a little bit on myself like yeah. i mean he goes and gets the friggin' book but alice osmond has like confirmed it's not confirmed in the books but she has confirmed it like outside of the books on twitter i think that like yes this uh isaac is is um a uh, is, I can't remember the exact title, but like basically asexual and aromantic. Yeah. Um, so not interested in a romantic relationship, not interested in, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I thought that this is where we were going and then I thought it was way wrong. Um, I was like, oh, they're not going there. And then they still went there. So, uh, I love yeah. it. I love it for Isaac. I think it, it's, uh, it's, it's, he's just happy reading his books. I love when they're in Paris and he's, he's buying as many books as possible. Yeah. You know what? I mean, <laughs> Again, the logistics of carrying books around all the time <laughs> is something that I cannot relate to. I never to. do it. I couldn't read in public like that. That's why I'm not more of a reader because it's just yeah. books are heavy. They, and especially when you're an indecisive person. Grace reader. Shut up, Grace. <laughs> How dare you? Mm -hmm. I hope that's definitely the first time that you've said that uh sometimes if i'm like someone if i'm like bleeding someone be like oh grace bleeder i'll get that sometimes no but, okay yeah. okay <laughs> look 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 anyway okay, isaac so. uh, yeah <laughs> yeah isaac 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 yeah i mean i think that it was what's fascinating with me about isaac's character is that um uh, it's good that he's exploring and you know that he is ace a, a, a rom um aromantic and asexual Mm -hmm. but i also think it's interesting like next season i sort of want a character who maybe people think is ace but actually just isn't ace um and who you know just might not be that interested in romance or celebrity crushes or sex yeah. and relationships like that's also a thing um so i i mean i you know representation matters and I think especially when we look at the places where it's not there, like asexual representation, aromantic representation matters so much. Um, I did a pod friends episode last year with Beth Dixon who yeah. spoke extensively about being ace and you know, like I, I wish there was more room for that conversation, but it's good that we're, you know, that people are being exposed and we're making ace identities more, normalized because they are normal identities and you are valid um yeah. if you're ace and i'm just glad that through Heartstopper, maybe unexpectedly even you could see yourself or start to explore this side of yourself isaac yeah. is is pretty awesome by the way yeah. um just like i guess it's so he, tough the situation he's in with all of the friends who are just like oh my gosh you have a boyfriend you and james oh my god and it's like you know what maybe and this is the hilarious thing about the show to me is like these these are all people who've been through that experience like oh like the guy the, the gay or bi guys oh do you have a girlfriend um or you know the girls like oh do you have a boyfriend and maybe they're not interested in that or different variations of that and and yet we still can't help to do that and like 
assume people's identities. And I feel like I see that all the time mm -hmm. among queer communities. And I'm just like, don't do it. Don't project yeah. people's, don't put people in boxes that you don't need to put them in, calling them, assuming that they're straight or that they're anything. So yeah. um, that was super relatable and realistic, um, but also hard to watch until Isaac kind of stood up for himself and uh, I think found found himself and found his place a little bit more. He uh he tells off Harry pretty good. He's like, uh, why do you guys think you're so funny all the time? So when they're in Paris doing the translation, it's very uh good for Isaac. Yeah. Yeah, he's he uh Alice Osman has confirmed that he is uh a uh Aero Ace, uh so aromantic asexual. Ooh, Aero. Yeah, I like that. Um we'll chat about Imogen a little bit, I think, to wrap up here. Um I, I do I I like her telling off uh and we'll talk about Imogen and Ben because I think their storylines yeah. uh, hand in hand. She starts dating Ben, doesn't realize why uh suddenly she's he's not interested in her. Um we she's going to break up with him pretty publicly uh at dinner, and uh Ben will ultimately tell uh uh sorry, Nick that he's still interested in Charlie and is gonna try and win Charlie back. I do like that it this so easily the trope here could have been like the ex who gets in the middle. And I just love Charlie being like, no. And it's ultimately like basically a form of like, the, I, I love the idea here. And I think this has been expressed in terms of like Sebastian Croft, why he's leaving the show is that he can grow and be a better person, but Charlie doesn't need to be around or a part yeah. of Ben learning from this experience that he subjugated um, Charlie to. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's awesome. Like we could, I was going to use the word grace, grace, but I didn't. You can wanna... if you want. Yeah. Okay. We could give grace, grace yes. to people. We could give grace to, to people. We don't know. Am I, am I transferring no, with nobody? Ben? That's the point. That's oh. the point. We're not giving you to anybody. You're your own. Oh. You, no one can take you. Okay. Like we could, we could uh, give space to people. Right. And yet. Like, we don't need to be there to be that space, if it makes sense. Yeah. Like, it, it's a very interesting thing where I think sometimes we, like, this idea of forgiveness. Like, I need to forgive you and make time for you and put up with you and, like, the bullshit that you might bring. And I just love that Charlie's so clear. Like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. Like, it's a no for me, dog. And he is, he is out on, on Ben, which is amazing. Um, yeah. But Ben... Uh, it's so tough because he's on his own journey and you know, he's going to look back and regret so much of, well, basically everything that we've seen of him in this show. Um, but it's, it's tough because I mean, to me, he's just a future queer person who is eventually going to be comfortable, hopefully in his sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, we haven't seen like hints of him moving toward that, but I think, you know optimism says that he'll get there and it's just like it's tough to watch because you want to hate him and i do but at the same time i just see like a kid who's hurt who i just wish didn't have to deal with like having a family who's not accepting and then being this asshole who's hurting other people because mm -hmm. of all of these different you know things with his own coming out it's just it's so rough but yeah. he got put in his place like he deserved to. Um, yeah. I just wish that he wasn't so broken. Yeah. But I'm not um, gonna. I'm not gonna be the one to fix it. Just like Charlie, I'm right. staying away. 
Um, I really liked uh, Imogen has this great line when she has broken up with Ben and she goes to the bathroom uh, while they're at dinner in Paris and Nick and Charlie go to comfort her and she goes, oh, this is so annoying. Like, if only I liked girls, everything would be easier. And, and <laughs> Nick like is like, yeah, I don't I don't know about that. But like, I get the point. I get what you're trying to say. But like, ah, actually, I don't know. Uh, it's like, maybe if I was just queer, life would be easier. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Let's, let's break this down for you. Um uh, I love it. Uh, Imogen. Like, what a what an, a superstar. Because I think she's the one character who puts her foot in her mouth the most. Yeah. Like, uh, even down to... There's there's one character, a new character, who we haven't had, like, fully baked out. Sahar, who is bisexual. But Imogen didn't know that and said, uh, you guys can't tease me about being the token ally anymore. And mm-hmm. at which point Imogen, or at which point Sahar comes out as bi to Imogen. Like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I, I feel for Imogen. I actually came around to really liking her just for how she, you know, stands up for herself. And she's she wants, she's she's not giving up on love like it's a it's the classic love story i feel like she could be on like the bachelorette or something one day um just because she's very resilient with uh love and these relationships she uh she has great paris fashion style so yeah you know what that works out really well for her and the and uh, again iconic hair you know yeah i hope that there are like imogen stan groups on facebook i don't know if that's a thing yeah, I, guess I think so. there's a big heart stopper fan here. I don't have so hard. There's definitely one for Sebastian. There's uh, weirdly, I think there's oh, a big no. oh, group God, no. for Sebastian Croft, and also yeah. uh, I think some people who do like. There's I've a lot of um, Sebastian Croft, um, uh, Kit Connor shipping uh, happening because they they often did a lot of press with like Nick, Charlie, and Ben uh, for the season. Mm. And, yeah, they flirt a little bit. Um, Ooh. all right, before we we close out and wrap up, we'll be of course back uh next week with a topic related discussion with a guest. Um, um, I want to ask you, Matt, what was your favorite like scene thing for, you know, or whatever? What's your, what are the, the standouts from you uh, from Heartstoppers? I don't want to I don't want to like continue to just one scene if you want to talk about more. But what's oh your favorite gosh. thing from season two of Heartstopper? From season two, you know, I think the thing I appreciate the most, which is a consistent theme, is every time that Nick is coming out, he 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 asserts who he is in a sense mm-hmm. like everyone's like oh, i didn't know you're gay and he makes it clear like no I, i'm bi actually to the point where he has a caption on one of his uh, hard launch posts of charlie yeah. on instagram boyfriends in parentheses i'm, I'm bi, bi actually bi. Yeah. so yeah. i mean like i i really love that because it i think it's it points to this thing that doesn't feel all that important when you're in a relationship in a same-sex relationship like i've definitely been in situations where many many times where i haven't like asserted like oh i'm i'm bi because i didn't feel like that mattered as much and i'm like okay like if this it's fine if this person thinks i'm gay whatever um but i do like that because it's just a reminder that like all the parts of us matter even if it might not feel the most consequential and nick is someone who's taught me to like just make sure to always hold on to those parts and um, really stand in those parts. But oh, Grace, you asked me the hardest question possible, like mm-hmm. what I've loved most about this show in this season. And mm-hmm. uh, 
there's so much there's so much i think just like the character development has been epic um everyone's so lovable and or even sympathetic tori continues to be an icon um mm-hmm. with her tents and not going to paris and mm-hmm. not visiting old museums like uh, and then the people who are hateable are so freaking hateable and mm-hmm. also relatable and i'm glad that the show went there yeah so my that was thing, a yeah. a word vomit. I was just gonna I was oh, just gonna fun. say, Grace, what was your favorite thing? Uh, I do think it, it's a coin flip. I think between two things, and they actually the scenes actually lead into each other, which is the when Charlie buys the lock and is talking with Tao, and yeah. he's trying to hype Tao up, and then um, Tao tells him that it was his fault that he um that charlie got outed and charlie says that's not your fault and then he on the lock writes charlie loves tau uh i love it so much it was like oh beautiful platonic friendship uh so yeah. cute so good um and it spurs tau to go on to go probably what is actually my favorite scene i just wanted to highlight the scene that we hadn't talked about yet which is of course tau and l kissing in the oh, museum so i did not yeah. think that's what you're gonna say i thought what? you can say this in the bottled scene where tau no. and charlie kiss no no my favorite scene is uh is tau and l being finally kissing i think the show did such a good job but i was so friggin' annoyed when their date didn't go well so i'm like maybe i'm not getting what i want maybe they're not gonna be together they're just gonna be friends Never. or whatever no. and then no they're meant to be and they're so cute the the scene where they like go to the museum by themselves before they're in the louvre it's so good it's so good i love it i love them they're my favorite side, side note you know i also really appreciated the mr j mr farouk or the nathan yusuf storyline mm-hmm. um, which we haven't touched on but that was so fascinating to me. Mr. J is definitely was one of my favorite characters in season one, played a different role a bit in season in this season two. Mm-hmm. But um, did he, did they, did they, or didn't they grace? They did. Who knows? I mean, knows? look, I need to know. I, all I know together? is that it looks like they're going, yeah, they went to prom together. Uh, Mr. J and sorry, Nathan and Yusuf that by, by prom they're Nathan and Yusuf. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I just like that teachers could be people too. Like shout out to the teachers. If teachers are listening, like just want to show you some love because uh, <laughs> media has a major teacher erasure problem. Like, yes, we've talked That's about true. the bi erasure, but the teacher Abbott elementary erasure? is like the most popular sitcom on TV. No, I, I get yeah. no. The teacher shows do a good job acknowledging the teachers, but like, who looks at teachers as humans? A lot of people don't. So I just appreciate I think that I this do. show. I think, My mom yeah. too. Yeah. Well, we do, but we're we're different, Grace. Yeah, I did love Coach Thing. I we're do love. Uh, I do love when she comes out to Charlie uh, or Nick. Sorry, I did love that. It's so cute. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, coaches are people too. Sure, coaches are people too. Especially, yeah. Mm. Um. All right. I think that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more Heartstopper coverage. Ooh. We'll dive into a specific topic. Topic TBD. Uh, we're trying to line up our guests with specific topics. So we shall see you in a week's time. Until then, Matt, where can people find you? And what are you up to? People can find me at Matt Scotchy W. And you know what I'm up to? I'm up to mostly chilling, having a good time, enjoying mm. my August, maybe rewatching Heartstopper. And mm. Watching pro wrestling, covering the wrestling wrap over on Rob is a podcast where uh, me and the one and only Mari Fourth at Mari talks too much. That's too like the number two are talking pro wrestling and all the things happening there. Very um, queer coded, I think is fair to say wrestling? in many, many ways. Yeah. Wrestling is the 
drag of the of the sports sports world. entertainment. Yeah, yeah, the sports world. Let's go with that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I love it. I'm a huge fan. So many beautiful things there. Um, but yeah, me and Mari covering that over at robbiswebsite.com slash wrestling feed. And I'm just happy to be here with you, Grace. I'm yeah. I'm I'm Same. exclusive to you on post show recaps. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Uh, that, but where, where can I'm, I'm you? man, I'm so sorry to tell you, I am not exclusive to you. Oh, really? I'm, doing... I'm not your best co host, and you're one and I didn't only say that. Favorite. Oh my I god, you're I didn't say that. I just you're, well, not, the, you you're not the only that. person I podcast with. I know because you can't say let me that. run through the list covering oh, no. uh dark. We wrapped up our dark coverage, we were doing uh some wrap up shows. That's uh, me. That's me, Ariel, and Rich. Uh, Rich Austin Ooh. and I are covering Foundation. Rich Ooh. Taylor and I are covering Good Omens. Stan C and I are covering Heels, um, covering movies each week with Ariel and Pusher Recaps Theater, covering The After Party with Ariel and Jess, covering what we do in the shadows with Lindsay Wilson and covering Winning Time with Jason Raid. I'm covering all of those things on Pusher Recaps right now. Eight, eight people who aren't me that were just <laughs> mentioned within well, that five my account. No, some of those I doubled up. Like Rich is in there a bunch. Ari oh, did you count individual? Oh, no, people I, ca I count. Room? I counted individuals. There's eight of them. Wow, that's that's sounds like I'm maybe podcasting too much, but that's okay. You can catch me uh, no. uh, on my You're socials. Yeah, Grace, you're podcasting the perfect amount, and I want everyone to know it. And hopefully, they're following you on all of the things and yeah. listening to all of your podcasts. Like, I no, don't listen to all my podcasts. If you if oh. somehow you fit in the uh, Venn diagram of you watch all of these shows, fantastic. But I don't know if you'd be listening to this to me on all of those podcasts. Uh, you should listen to some of them, depending on which shows you watch. But you know um, what they should do is follow you on social media. Yeah. And where could they do that? Add hi from Grace Retko for Grace on any of the social medias. We'll be back next week with more. Heartstopper uh, chatting with a special guest about a specific topic. Until then, Ooh. bye bye. Bye. Bye.